All right, let's pray. Father God, I love you. I thank you for today, Lord. I thank you for uh, just being good to us, Lord. I really do thank you for um, just blessing the Pass Point class, Lord, and uh, just uh, everything that's going on in it. There's, you're blessing the lives of the people, Lord, and um, there's a lot of things going on, and you really have uh, protected us from a lot of the, the stuff. And so we pray for those who are out for different reasons. We do pray for uh, Chris and Abigail uh, and Miss Lorelai and her sister Zona, and I pray you just continue to bless that family. Uh, keep everybody healthy. Uh, it's just this is a, a time we'll make sure nobody gets anything. So uh, I do pray you keep them healthy and just uh, grow her up, Lord, and uh, a young lady that loves you. And I uh, pray that we as the Passpoint class would just love on them uh, through this, Lord. Just uh, uh, pray for uh, those who are out for various reasons. There's a lot of things going on today, and we pray for the things coming up. Uh, there's just a lot happening. There's taking it to the streets today, and uh, there's uh, the harvest party coming up. Lord, we pray that you get the uh, the glory for these things. Is there's a lot of moving parts, and there's a lot of things that people do, and uh, it would be easy for us to try to take the glory from it, Lord. But we do pray that you get the glory uh, from all the things that uh, will happen. Uh, from these things and uh, just uh, the Halloween thing coming up. I pray that there's fruit and fruit that remains from these things. And uh, Lord, I do pray that, you know, we just have our head on a swivel. Uh, there's a lot happening at HBF and uh, we're kind of uh, hitting a growth spurt and uh, it's happening right before our eyes and we don't even know it. And so I do pray that uh, we as uh, just uh, the ministers of Christ are uh, ready to receive it, uh, to meet people where they're at and uh, just uh, get them where they need to go, which is you, Lord. So I pray you just speak to us today. Lord, just get the honor and the glory in Christ's name. Amen. All right, so if you've got your Bibles, uh, open up to the book of Joshua. Obviously, that's where we're at. That's where we've been. Um, and so uh, I started a deal last week. I thought I'd be able to get through it last week. Uh, that obviously didn't happen. Um, and judging by the clock today, I'm not even sure it's going to happen today, but that's okay. So Joshua uh, chapter Joshua chapter 2, uh, and we've been kind of looking at this. Uh, we're teaching through the book like we normally would, um, but I told you last week, generally I... Uh, I try to just pull something and give you something like that is for you, right? Something that you can take and apply to your life. And so I did that out of this Joshua chapter 2 a couple weeks ago. Um, but there's just something, and it's just kind of been, uh, as I've been studying this book uh, and just reading it and meditating on it, and uh, there's just something about this, uh, this gal Rahab. And it's not so much what Rahab did, but how God was able to use Rahab uh, that just really intrigues me. Um, and so, you know, we know uh, without reteaching last week, um, you know, Rahab was uh, not living the, the greatest life. She was not, uh, you know, living her best life now. Uh, you know, just to pick up where we had left off last, last week, uh, Rahab was uh, a harlot, right? It even calls her that in the Bible, Rahab the harlot. Uh, that doesn't mean that she was like an innkeeper, you know, she was a, she was a prostitute, right? Uh, you know, she was, uh, that's what she was, that was the life she lived. And so the question would be, you know, why would God use someone like that? And even me, myself, as I read through it, you know, obviously God can use anybody, but, you know, what, what's, what's God's point in this whole thing? And so the, the question I asked, you know, uh, last week, just kind of get your minds rolling, and obviously we know the answer, but, you know, can a harlot be saved? You know, why, why is God going to, um, to take and use somebody like her? Right? Why not use, out of the entire city of Jericho, there had to have been somebody that was slightly more righteous than, than Rahab, right? Well, in our eyes, maybe so. And that was kind of the whole point was, you know, we like to, to judge people's sins by how bad we think they are. You know, but at the end of the day, we have to understand that God's standard is perfection. And uh, we don't judge things by perfection. We judge things by 
well, at least I'm not as bad as that, right? Or at least it's not as bad as that. And so when you judge things by perfection, uh, your little lie or your little covetousness or your little idolatry is just as bad as har- or, uh, harlot. Rahab the harlot's uh, prostitution. And so you have to understand that in God's eyes, it's all the same. It's all iniquity and it's all short of the glory of God. And so the point here is, you know, I had, I had seven proofs and we went through a couple of them last week, but seven proofs that God can save even the worst of sinners, right? And so obviously we know this, but there's some really cool things. And I went through a couple of them last week, and these were kind of basic, but I want to get into some more that are just really... It's really cool how God puts His Bible together, right? We understand that the Old Testament points towards what's happening in the New Testament. We understand that everything in the Old Testament is simply a picture uh, of what God can do and probably will do and maybe is going to do in the future, right? That is what a type in the Bible is. Ask your D2 students. We're kind of going through that right now. but And so this whole picture, this whole story is, is a type of what God can do through anybody, any person's life. And so, you know, the first, in the second, so the first proof we looked at last week is the proof of justification by faith. And go back and listen to last week. I don't want to spend a whole lot of time on this, so you can go back and get it on the recording. Uh, the second proof was the proof of justification by works. And so we looked at some references with that. And I told you, I usually don't give you guys a whole lot of references, but I do have some uh, this time around. And so uh, number three, so we only got through two last week, correct? Okay, I thought so. I just wanted to make sure I've slept since then. It's been a... It's been a crazy week. So, uh, number three. So, we're looking at these different proofs. And so, here's just another proof. As I'm studying this thing out, um, and I usually don't teach like this. I usually kind of keep my Bible study semi-personal. But as I'm studying this thing out, I'm just like, how is God proving that, you know what, I can save even you know the worst of the worst? Or the, how, is, how is He showing this? And so, here's another proof for you that God can save even the worst of sinners. Uh, the proof of Old Testament redemption. So, if you have your Bibles... Uh, let's just kind of let me just read the first couple of verses here of Joshua to get our minds back on where we're at. <laughs> Excuse me, and then I want to I want to switch gears and, and take you to another example of this. So, uh, Joshua chapter two and verse one, and Joshua the son of Nun sent out of Shittim two men to spy secretly, uh, saying, "Go uh, view the land, even Jericho." And they went and came into a harlot's house named Rahab and lodged there. And it was told to King Jericho, saying, "Behold, there came men in hither tonight of the children of Israel to search out the country." Right, and so that's this is kind of how this whole thing went out. And so you know how the story plays out. Um, you know, Rahab makes a deal with the guys. You know, she protects them, doesn't turn them in, and in turn, you know, she's like, "Hey, uh, because I didn't uh, get you killed, uh, can you maybe?" speak to your God about not getting me killed in, in my family. And so we'll talk about that in a minute. But you guys have mostly read the, I'm guessing everybody in here has read the story. You're familiar with the story. And so anyway, as we've been reading through the book. So the proof of Old Testament redemption. If you have a Bible, flip over a couple books uh, to the book of Ruth. So here's another example of how, you know, just as you're studying your Bible and you're like, so how in the world can, can God do that? How in the world can God take, you know, we know that Israel... If you're a Bible student, you know that Israel is God's chosen people. Uh, we also know, as uh, somebody didn't even erase it, I, I wrote on the board last week and it's been there for an entire week, uh, that, that Rahab uh, means proud, uh, Rahab, or whatever that means, uh, and, and she is a Canaanitess, meaning she's uh, from the land of Canaan. Okay, So she's not a Jew. She is not an Israelite. Why is God uh, wasting his time? As a Bible student, you need to ask yourself this. Why is God using someone that is not a, a, from the nation of Israel? Now we understand that today we're in a different dispensation. right? Uh, the Gentiles are all about getting saved. God is all about saving the Gentiles. But back then, he was not, right? Back then, it was God's chosen people. You were either in or you were out. And that's just the way that it was. And you might think, well, that's cruel. That's, 
that's just that was that dispensation, okay? And you just have to understand uh, that was how God was dispensing His grace through time. It was to the Jews only. And so, uh, here's an example. And so, if you have your Bible, I don't want to read all of this, but here's another example. This is a proof of Old Testament redemption uh, in the Book of Ruth. So, in the Book of Ruth, um, Ruth is. Uh, a Moabitess, right? So she is from uh, the land of Moab. Okay, so Ruth is a Moabitess, and she marries uh, into, or she, she marries uh, a husband, right? And, and then he dies, right? And so basically she goes with, and back up a little bit, her mother-in-law, uh, Naomi, right? Uh, they go, Her and her husband moved to uh, the land because of a famine. Okay, they go there. Uh, her two sons, Naomi's two sons, uh, marry uh, ladies from Moab. Okay, uh, both of them die, and Naomi's husband dies. So now there's Naomi, the, the mother-in-law, right, uh, and the two daughter-in-laws uh, with none of the people, none of the guys left. And so Naomi's like, "I'm going back to my land. Uh, I have no way to provide for you two, right? So you'd be better off going back to your families, right?" And so basically, uh, the one goes, and Ruth says, I'm going to go with you. And she's like, no, you probably ought not do that. And she's like, no, I'm going to go with you. Okay, and so read the story. It's a really sweet story. But it, anyway, that's just kind of, so they get back into the the, <coughs> the land. So uh, Ruth chapter 1, <coughs> verses 1 to 4. Let's just read a little bit of this. It says, Now it came to pass in the days when the judges ruled that there was a famine in the land, and a certain man of Bethlehem, Judah, went uh, to sojourn to the country of Moab, he and his wife and his two sons. And the name of the man was uh, Elimelech, and the name of the wife was Naomi, and the name of the two sons were uh, Malhan and... I don't know what that guy's name... Uh, anyway... What? Chilion. Chilion, okay. Chilion, uh, Ephrathitis of Bethlehem, Judah. And they came into the country of Moab and uh, continued there. And Elimelech, uh, Naomi's husband died, and she was left and her two sons. And they took them wives of the women of Moab. Uh, the name of the one was Orpha, and the name of the other was Ruth. And they dwelled there about ten years. And Malon and Chilion, if you ask Mitchell, uh, died also both of them. And uh, the woman was left uh, of her two sons and her husband. Okay, so that's kind of what I already told you, but that's kind of what happened. Fast forward uh, to chapter chapter 4, right? Fast forward to chapter 4. The whole book is really good, but I obviously can't teach the book of Ruth right now because that would take several weeks, and uh, that's not what I'm doing. I'm trying to show you something about Rahab here. But uh, So Naomi, uh, Ruth goes back to uh, the nation of Israel with Naomi, okay? And they're there, and basically Ruth is gleaning in the fields, right? She is uh, basically trying her best just to provide her way. And without, you know, kind of reading the entire Chapter. I just want to hit some high points of how this thing goes. And so, uh, well, let's just read in verse 4, or, or chapter 4. So, she's gleaning. Uh, Ruth is gleaning in the field. Uh, she ends up uh, gleaning in the field of a guy named Boaz. Okay, And she doesn't know anything about this guy, really, other than uh, she's gleaning in, in the field of, the, uh, of this guy named Boaz. And then uh, Naomi finds out, and she's like, hey, you should, you know, maybe... Uh, stay there because he is a near kinsman to us, meaning, uh, and he, he is, uh, kind of of the family, right? Down the line. I don't, I don't know exactly how it would all play out. But anyway, the whole point here is, so verse chapter four, then went Boaz to the gate. So Boaz has, uh, 
taken a liking to Ruth, right? Uh, and so now he is uh, trying to uh, go about his way of marrying this young lady, right? And so that's basically what is happening. He's an older guy. I don't know how old. doesn't really say, but uh, he's going to try to marry Ruth. So if you want to get the backstory, read chapters 2 and 3 to kind of get to where we got to here, right? And so they show his thing plays out. They went Boaz to the gate and sat him there. And behold, the kinsman of whom Boaz spoke, so there was a nearer kinsman, right? There was one nearer meaning uh, to marry Ruth uh, in in the Old Testament law, in Jewish law, basically uh, you couldn't just say, hey, I want to marry this gal because she'd already been married uh, and her husband died. So uh, it, it, the way that that worked, so like if that guy would have had a brother, he would have had to uh, marry her. That's how that worked. And so even Naomi was like, what good's it going to do you to stay with me? Because even if I was to have kids now, you would have to wait till they grew before he could be your husband. So that's when she sent them back. So anyway, uh, this is a nearer. So Boaz is like, I would like to marry this gal, but there's someone nearer. And I can't just marry her because if I do, then that's like cutting in line. And this is like the best way for me to explain this. So anyway, so he goes to the gate uh, and... Of whom he said, uh, so he, the guy comes along and he says, Ho, such a one, turn aside, sit down here. And he turned aside and sat down. I love the way that this reads, just because it reads just like a story. He's like, Ho, such a one, stop your little horse and chariot, we need to talk. Uh, and he took uh, ten men of the elders, because this is what they had to do, there had to be a witness, the ten men of the elders uh, of the city, and said, Sit ye down here. And they sat down, and he said unto the kinsman Naomi, uh, that has come out of the country of Moab, south a parcel of land, which was our brother Elimelech, and I thought to advertise. Advertise, uh, or, I'm sorry, uh, yeah, uh, advertise uh, the saying, buy it before the inhabitants uh, and before the others of my people. If thou wilt redeem it, redeem it. But if thou wilt not redeem it, uh, then tell me uh, that I may know, for there is none to redeem it beside thee, and I am after thee. Uh, and he said, I will redeem it. So he, he goes to this guy and he's like, hey, uh, you're a nearer kinsman than I am to Elimelech. You know he died. Uh, he had this land, so basically if you want to take his land, uh, you can go ahead and buy it, but if you're not going to, I am. And the guy's like, okay, yeah, I will. Well, what he left out was the next part. He's like, yeah, if there's land, I'll buy it, right? But then the, he's like, okay, yeah, I'll buy it. But then verse 5, then Boaz said, uh, what day thou buyest the field uh, of the head of Naomi, thou buyest it also of Ruth the Moabitess, the wife of the dead, to raise up the name of the dead uh, upon his inheritance. He's like, oh, by the way, if you're going to buy the land, uh, you've also got to marry his, his the, the guy's wife too, right? And he's like, whoa, hang on a minute. I didn't really want to sign up for that right now, right? I got enough things going on at home, and right? I, I mean, I I wasn't there, but basically you, you can't have one without the other. And so if you're going to take up uh, the inheritance, you have to take all of it, right? And so that's what comes with it. Boaz had already weighed out the price. He was fine with, right, the, he, he would take all of it. But this guy, he was not so much. And the, the kinsman said, I cannot redeem it for myself, lest I mar my own inheritance. Uh, redeem it to thy, uh, re, redeem now my right to thyself, for I cannot redeem it. Uh, now this was the manner in former time in Israel concerning redeeming uh, uh and concerning changing uh, for to confirm all things a man plucked off his shoe and gave it to his neighbor and there was a testimony in Israel like I always like reading that because I'm like you can't make this stuff up right like hey you were a witness that this happened uh, here's my shoe here now we know that it happened right I'm like what so I guess as a guy's walking around without a shoe on you know that it was official like, I don't know you can't make this stuff up that's why I know the Bible's true because like you just you, you just can't you can't make this up so Anyway, so Boaz basically says, uh, hey, I want to redeem it. And so here's what happens. Uh, 
without reading the, the rest of the thing, uh, Boaz basically redeems Ruth. Now, the picture here, again, this is all about a picture. It's the Old Testament pointing to the New Testament. There's a lot of pictures in the book of Ruth, but the picture here is uh, Boaz is of the nation of Israel. Boaz is a type of Christ, right? Uh, he is a leader in Israel. He is a type of Christ, and he is redeeming a Gentile bride, meaning someone who is not of the nation of Israel. That is a lot like what happens to us in the New Testament, is it not? We are the Gentile bride. We are uh, basically, we have no inheritance in Israel whatsoever. But yet the king, Boaz, is willing to uh, come and redeem us, pay the price that it takes to redeem us and to save us. She had no part in Israel. She was a Canaan, or, uh, she was a Moabitess, and he basically takes her and he, and, and he, he redeems her up, right? It's no different. If God can save Ruth, a Moabitess, right? If you know anything about your Bible study, uh, the people of Moab, I know we're not supposed to compare ourselves with ourselves, but they're a little farther off than even the people of Canaan, right? Uh, as far as uh, not on God's side, right? God can redeem a Moabitess woman, then why can't he redeem uh, a Canaanitess woman, right? There's proof right there. It's a story just a couple books over of the same type of thing. If God can save her, why can't he save Rahab? Right? And it's just a proof. It's just a proof versus I'm reading this thing. I'm like, that's a proof right there. If God can do it here, why can't he do it here? Right? God is going to do that. And it's just really cool as you see this story of how God uh, can redeem Ruth. He can redeem Rahab out of everything that she's in. Right? No different than, well, we'll get to that here in a little bit. So that's your third proof. Is that's, a, that's a proof of Old Testament redemption. Now, here's your fourth proof. There's proof of the same kind of thing in the New Testament, right? Proof of New Testament redemption. Number four, proof of New Testament redemption. So we're talking about Rahab being the, the harlot, right? Being the prostitute, the neighborhood prostitute, right? And uh, how that whole thing plays out. Flip over to John chapter 4. Flip over to John chapter 4, a very similar type story. Obviously, it's not the exact same thing. Another, a very similar story. So there's proof in the Old Testament that God can do this. He's done it before. There's also proof in the New Testament that God can do this. He's done it before. Right? You have to compare the Bible with the Bible to make the Bible come to life. Right? It's one thing to say, oh yeah, God saved Rahab because she didn't turn the spies in. Well, God's trying to show you something. Why did he use Rahab? Do you think he needed to? You don't think God could have just went in and been like, uh, hey Joshua, go put your finger on the wall and it's going to fall over. I mean, that's just about as unlikely as shout really loud and it's going to fall over. right? But instead, he throws this whole thing in there about how he's saving this prostitute woman out of the whole thing. It doesn't even fit. The story it has no point in the story other than God, through the fact that he's showing the obedience of Joshua and, and conquest of the land, he's throwing something in there for you to see, right? You're in your Old Testament. He's throwing something in there for you to see. What's he trying to show you? That it doesn't matter how bad you are, how far away from God you are, that if you understand who he is and you call on his name, man, he can change your life. Like Even in a story way back in Joshua, he's trying to show you that. It doesn't matter how, how bad you are. John chapter 4, here's a proof of New Testament redemption. John chapter 4. When therefore, verse 1, when therefore the Lord knew how the Pharisees heard, uh, had heard that Jesus had uh, made and baptized more disciples than John, though uh, Jesus himself baptized not, but uh, his disciples, he left Judea and departed again into Galilee. Verse 4, And he must needs, why must he need? Well, because God knows more than we do. That's why. You don't have to ask why. Uh, it just says that he did. He must needs, meaning uh, it was a point he had to go. He must needs go through Samaria. Again, the same way that the Canaanites were not 
super hip with the Jews. The same way that the Moabites back in uh, the book of Ruth were not super hip with the Jews, the nation of Israel. Uh, the Samaritans, uh, they were like, I mean, in history, the Samaritans were like half-breeds to the Jews. Like, they were looked down on. Uh, I mean, in today's world, that would not fly. All right, we know that. And, but at the time, they were like looked down on. They were lesser. And so the fact that Jesus was like, we need to go to Samaria. We got to go through Samaria. The disciples are like, what? Why? Right? Those, those are lesser people than us. So anyway, uh, we must needs to go to Samaria. Uh, then cometh he to a city of Samaritan, which is called Sychar, near the parcel of, land, uh, uh, parcel of ground that Jacob gave his son Joseph. Now Jacob's well was there. Jesus, therefore, being wearied with his journey... Really, just another really cool father as you're reading through this. Uh, Jesus was wearied with his journey. Uh, shows his human side, right? He was tired. He was he, he bore the same infirmities that we do, right? You're tired after a long day's work. It says he was wearied. He could have been like, you know, Jesus just showed up. He wasn't tired, but he was all God, but at the same time, he was all man. He was wearied with his journey. Uh, sat thus on the well, and it was about the sixth hour, meaning noon. Okay, uh, there cometh a woman of Samaria to draw water. Jesus said unto her, Give me to drink. For his disciples were gone away into the city to buy me. Then saith the woman of Samaria to him, How is it that thou, being a Jew, axest drink of me, which of a woman of Samaria? For the Jews had no dealings with the Samaritans. This guy's like, I don't even know why you're talking to me because you all think you're better than us. Right? And so what's your point here? What are you getting at? Right? She's not... No, she's not mincing words, right? She knows what's going on. Oh, what's the point here? What are you trying to get at? Like, you all don't even talk to us. You don't even notice that we're here. Now you're asking me to get you some water? What? Uh, Jesus answered and said unto her, verse 10, If thou knewest the gift of God, and who it is that saith to thee, Give me to drink, thou wouldest have asked of him, and he wouldest have given thee living water. That's just a typical Jesus answer, right? What? What do you mean? Right? The woman saith unto him, Sir, thou hast nothing to draw with, and the well is deep. From whence uh, hast thou the living water? She's like, okay, I don't know what you're talking about, but uh, obviously you're talking to me. You shouldn't be. Uh, you've been out in the sun too long because uh, the well, if you look down there, the water's a long ways down. You ain't even got a bucket. How are you going to get me water? Uh, you don't even know what you're talking about. You know, the gal... That's basically what she says. The woman saith unto him, uh, verse 12, Art thou greater than our father Jacob, which gave us the well, and drank thereof himself, and his children, and his cattle? Jesus answered and said unto her, Whosoever drinketh of this water shall thirst again, meaning out of the well. But whosoever drinketh of the water that I shall give him shall not thirst, uh, but the water that I shall give him uh, shall be in him a well of a water springing into everlasting life. Now she's like, I really don't understand what you're talking about. The woman said unto him, Sir, give me this water that I thirst not, neither come hither to draw. So, not only is she intrigued with this water that doesn't make me thirsty again, but she's more concerned with, I don't have to work anymore. I don't have to come and draw water anymore. I do this lots of times every day, right? And you're telling me that I can get some water where I don't have to come back, right? Compare this to the story of Rahab, right? Uh, Rahab... All she knew was what she had heard of God, right? She had heard enough of God to know that He parted the Red Sea uh, and that the, His people uh, were coming quick, right? And that she didn't want no part of it, right? This gal didn't know nothing about God other than the God of the Jews was apparently uh, now offering something to her that uh, she wasn't going to have to work anymore. And now she's interested, right? So what you might... Most of you know where I'm going with this, but you might be like, what are you talking about? Well, how does this have anything to do with Rahab? 
Well, here's where it gets good. Jesus saith unto her, so she's like, hey, give me the water that I don't get thirsty anymore and I don't have to come and, and draw anymore. And so Jesus, being Jesus, he knows all things. Uh, he, he's just very quick and to the point. He says, he says unto her, go call thy husband and come hither. Right, go get your husband, come back, and, and I'll tell you how you can have it. Well, now she's got to come up with an answer. The woman answered and said, I have no husband. Like, she doesn't know him. He doesn't know her. She's like, I don't have a husband. I totally lost my spot. Uh, yeah, yeah, I have no husband. Jesus saith unto her, Thou hast well said, I have no husband. For thou hast had five husbands, and he whom thou now hast is not thy husband. And now thou hast said us truly. She's like, uh, he's like, hey, go get your husband, come back, we'll talk about this uh, living water. Uh, she's like, well, I don't have a husband. And Jesus says, well, that, that's about the most true thing you've told me so far, because uh, you're right. Uh, the guy that you're sleeping with now, he's not your husband. Uh, none of the five that you've had before him, right? And so now all of a sudden he's basically said, I see your sin. And I'm going to put you on the spot with it, right? Your sin, like, there's no more hiding it. Here it is. What are you going to do about it, right? And it, it just, the, it, it reminds me so much of uh, the story uh, in Joshua because he's, she's like, I don't even have a husband. It reminds me back when uh, the king was like, hey, where's the men uh, that came in to spy the land? And Rahab's like, I don't even know the men you're talking about, right? And like, as soon as I, I read that, every time I'm just like, it sounds just like the gal at the well, right? Uh, I don't even know what you're talking about. You know, it must be a common answer of uh, that line of thought. I don't know. Uh, that, anyway. The woman saith unto him, Sir, I, I perceive that thou art a prophet. Like, what, what are you going to say at that point, right? Uh, no, I'm not. No, I don't have had five husbands, right? At this point, she's just like, I don't even know this guy. And he basically called it exactly what it is. Sir, I perceive that thou art a prophet, right? I mean, what else are you going to do? Somebody comes and they basically call you out on your sin. Uh, that, that, that's the best answer you could give, right? I perceive that thou art a prophet. <laughs> I mean, what's you going to say? I perceive that thou art a prophet. Our fathers worshipped in this mountain. So now she's like, okay, you're religious. Let's talk about that for a minute. I perceive uh, our fathers worshipped in the mountain, and you say that in Jerusalem is a place where men ought to worship. And Jesus saith unto her, stop talking about religion, right? We don't. I don't have time for this religion stuff, right? Because uh, that's what happens. You try to share your faith with somebody, and they're like, oh, it's a religion talk. Let's talk about religion. The best thing you can do is stop talking about religion, okay? Jesus uh, saith unto women, uh, yeah, woman, believe me, uh, uh, believe me. The hour cometh when ye shall uh, neither in this mountain nor in Jerusalem worship the Father. You sh- uh, you worship ye, uh, you worship ye know not what. Uh, we know what to worship for salvation is the Jews. But the hour cometh and now is when the true worshippers shall worship the Father in spirit and truth, uh, and the Father seeketh such uh, to worship him. God uh, is a spirit, and they that worship him uh, worship him must worship him in spirit and truth. The woman said to him, I know that the Messiah cometh. Uh, which is called Christ. When He come, He will tell us such things. She's heard enough to know a little bit about it. Jesus saith unto her, I that speak unto thee am He. I am God. That's basically what He just said. I'm trying to shorten this up a little bit. So basically the disciples come rolling back in uh, and they're like, what are you doing talking to this gal? Right? So uh, they part ways. She goes back to town, right? Um, at this point, you don't know what happened, right? You just know that uh, he basically called her out on her sin, and he said, I'm God. What are you going to do about it? 
right? You know, this is a point of decision. It's no different than in your life. Uh, when you get brought to a point in life where here's your sin in front of you, uh, and God says, I'm God, what are you going to do about it, right? Are you going to stay here, or are you going to follow? What are you going to do? The disciples come back, and they're like, uh, what are you doing talking to her? And Jesus uh, gives this really cool picture, which has nothing to do with what we're talking about right now, of uh, why are you worried about what I'm going to eat? The fields are wide under harvest. And you might be like, what are, what are they talking about? Well, what they're talking about is she goes back to town, and she starts telling people, uh, and you can read the story, I don't have time to go, I, I met the guy who was Christ, Right? And basically, you find out that she got saved, right? She she puts her faith in it. And then not only that, but she does what in turn? Uh, she starts telling everybody else about it, like what we should do. When we get saved, we need to tell people about it. Like, well, this happened in my life. What are we going to do? And the men of the city, because she's the prostitute of town, right? Uh, maybe she's not the prostitute, but she's had five different husbands and she's sleeping with somebody else. I mean, at some point, you put two and two together and they kind of go together. Uh, they're like, I don't believe you, Right? It says some of the men believed her and then some of the men went and talked to him themselves and then they believed. Well, guess what? At the end of the day, I don't care if I tell somebody about Jesus and they don't believe because of me, but then they go find out for themselves. Because that's still fruit to my account. That's still fruit to the Samaritan woman's account because she told them where he was at. Go find him then. If you don't believe me, go find him. God can save in the New Testament a woman who is just like Rahab, who has no dealings with the Jews and he's just like, hey, I can change your life. Right? And we look at it and we're like, why is God using this harlot out of the book of Joshua? Because He can. right? Because He's showing you that it doesn't matter how jacked up your life is today, and we're going to get into that next week because obviously we're not getting done today. right? He's trying to show you that it doesn't matter how messed up your life is, like how bad, how far off you think you are. And you're, like, you're reading this thing in Joshua and you're like, okay, well this, says, this, this harlot in Joshua has nothing to do with me today. Like, it has everything to do with you today. He's shown you, like, I can do it in the Old Testament, I can do it in the New Testament, why can't I do it in your life, right? And, like, I'm, I'm just guessing, like, I, I, I'm hoping that none of you are, like, living the life of the prostitute right now, right? And so, in the world that we live in, in American Christianity, y'all are thinking, well, at least I'm not that bad. So, if you're not that bad, and God is willing to save that bad, that's good news for you. Right? That's good news for the people that you work with. That's good news for the people that you're going to see at the harvest party next weekend. Like, they're just caught up in self-righteousness. They're just caught up in, you know, whatever it is, the sin, idolatry. But at the end of the day, like, God can save all of it. Like, God is trying to show you something. Like, why is God using a harlot? Right? He's trying to provoke you to say, why is God using a harlot? Right? He could have used anybody. He could have used, you know, you know, the, the grocery guy in Jericho. And you'd have been like, okay, well, he used the grocery guy. That's fine. You know, it's just probably on the edge of town. It was easy to get to, right? You know, they always put the you know, grocery store right there at the edge of town where it's easy to get to. But, but no, he uses a harlot. And you're like, why does he use a harlot? Because he's trying to make you say, why do he use a harlot? He's trying to make you say, well, what is, what is he trying to show me here? Anytime you see something that is just completely obscure in the Bible and you're just like, that just doesn't make sense. Right? It's because God's trying to say, hey, then why don't you study it a little bit? Why don't you see exactly why I'm doing this? Because when you do that and you start saying, why is he using a harlot? Right? Why is he using somebody that's completely messed up? Because he's pointing to something that he's going to do in the New Testament. And he's going to say, that, you know what? It doesn't matter how jacked up you are because these guys are they're worse. And I can save them. You don't think I can change your life? Right? That's why this stuff's in there. You know, when you study these things, like this stuff's cool. There's some more in here that are even like 
the the couple I have next week to finish this thing up, like just really nail down the proof. This like if you don't think that God has purpose in using this uh, Canaanitess prostitute named Rahab uh, to get his job done, then you totally are missing the point. Because there's one in here that is just like, are you serious? God would use her to do that. Right? Are you are you really telling me that God's going to use the prostitute woman out of Jericho to do that? That that doesn't even make sense to me, right? Well, he's trying to show you that it doesn't matter how messed up your life is. He can do exceedingly, abundantly more than you would ever think he could through you. Right? That's the whole point. That's what he's trying to show you. We'll get to that next week. Father God, I love you. I thank you for today, Lord. I thank you for uh, just stories like this in the Bible that are uh, all intertwined. And you're trying to teach us something, Lord. And uh, I'm not even doing a very good job of, of explaining it. But uh, it's kind of starting to make sense in my head even more, Lord. And uh, I pray that it is, you know, some of it's getting caught here. And, uh, Lord, there's, there's really nothing that can keep us separated from the love of God if we would just call uh, unto you, we would follow you, Lord. And, and we know that, you know, in a, in a class like this, you know, we're, we're probably all saved, but you know we we know a lot of people in our lives that aren't, and so I pray we don't just look at this and say, well, then, yeah, that's cool, God already saved me. But uh, we would take it and man, we need to get the gospel where it needs to go on time. Uh, we don't have a lot of time left, and the world we live in is uh, going in uh, a really bad direction very quickly. And so, uh, Lord, I do pray that you would just use us uh, to speak truth to a very dark world. Uh, Lord, I pray uh, for those in the past point class that have, uh, there's just a lot of stuff going on. There's a lot of details, and, and Lord, you're just the God of the details. So I pray you would just use us this week. Uh, bless the harvest party, Lord. Keep it dry. Allow it to be a beautiful day. Allow people to hear the word. Uh, allow people to get saved, Lord, and plugged into your church. Uh, Lord, I pray you just use us uh, to be a part of that. Uh, be with the, the Halloween outreach. Be with uh, just all the different things that are going on uh, in the Passpoint class and in, in the church as a whole, Lord, and that we would just be ready to receive uh, people as they come. In Christ's name, amen.